Yo, what's good? It's Vanessa Maria and I'm a DJ, broadcaster and creative producer. And you're listening to Resident Advisors Exchange. Thank you for being here with us today. On this edition of the podcast, RA's partnership with Black Minds Matter continues. Black Minds Matter is a charity on a mission to connect black individuals and families with free mental health services by professional black therapists. Black Minds Matter are currently looking for 21,000 long-term donors who are able to donate £5 per month. And with your support, they'll be able to take real steps towards achieving their goal of creating a lasting impact on black mental health. There are links in the description of this podcast if you are able to contribute. This year, we're evolving the collaboration to explore more documentary-based features on the podcast, based on the themes that have arisen during the interviews in last year's series. We have the first of these documentaries to share with you today, and we'll be taking a deep dive into performance anxiety. Performance anxiety is actually something that I struggled with as soon as I started DJing. I've since then canceled more gigs than I can count on my hands. I've relied heavily on alcohol for confidence, and I've had many panic attacks before shows. After speaking to several other DJs, I found out that we were actually experiencing similar things. And that's when I decided that I wanted to talk about it more publicly so that other people wouldn't feel alone and that we could also have a source of support and help for those who want to manage their performance anxiety. In this episode, you can expect to hear from Darlington, a therapist who helps to break down what performance anxiety is and the methods to help you manage it. When we're talking about stress and anxiety, or especially stress, sometimes people can actually have physical manifestations of things like a ringing ear, tonsillitis, like they actually have tonsillitis. It's a way of our body also trying to tell us, or our mind rather, trying to tell us that, hey, I'm not okay here, can you please address this? We'll also be hearing from the DJ Damshak and the pressure he has felt to perform. I used to put a lot of pressure on myself, definitely, like I think I put this amount, massive amount of pressure on myself that sometimes I fold under, do you know what I'm saying? Because sometimes I hold myself up to a lot of, to a, such a high standard. And I will be speaking to DJ and producer Fuzia about navigating anxiety. I still haven't figured out how to like, how do I calm myself? How do I do this? So I think the first time I had a live performance, it was at Weising Arts Festival. And I was so anxious from like, the entire train journey. I was just like so anxious. The cab to the festival, I was so anxious. Literally the whole performance, I was so anxious. And then I got off and I was still like very anxious. Um, and I was shaking the whole time. Like I was shaking throughout my entire set. It was actually crazy. Fazia first broke through as a DJ and the start of 2020 saw Fazia start to showcase her own original music for the first time. And with a new live show that debuted in the summer of 21, we were offered an exciting insight into where Fazia was heading as an artist and the music that was yet to come. I was really excited to speak to her because she'd made a notable post on Instagram in the summer of 2021. And it was all about getting off social media and not wanting to conform to posting as it was inducing a lot of anxiety. And I related very heavily to this. And with today's focus being on performance anxiety, it was only right that we had a conversation with Fuzil. We were talking off air 
Um, and I feel like very empowered <laughs> by your wonderful words of wisdom. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. No, I feel I feel really secure in myself right now. <laughs> no, I really I do. Really, <laughs> I'm glad that I made you feel like that. No, yeah, <laughs> I, I really do. Um, I wonder if you, as a, you come across as very confident um, and very self-assured. And I wanted wow. to, <laughs> no, you, you're laughing. So I wondered if that is, has always been the case. And when it comes to being a performer, um, a producer, how does, how does the confidence come through? Do you have, you know, do, do you ever not feel confident? I mean, it's really funny that you say that because that's something I actually hear all the time. People are like, you're so confident. You're so like self-assured. I hear it all the time and I'm like, what? Like, I think um, behind closed doors, I'm literally like the most sort of like anxious. Um, I can get imposter syndrome like a lot. And like very often I don't really believe in my own abilities. Um, so it's nice that even though I feel like that quite a lot, that it doesn't read like that. I think um, it was quite funny actually after my South Bank show, I think someone came up to me and was like, wow, like you're just so com comfortable on stage and you just came across so confident, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you don't understand. Like literally two minutes before I had to go on, I was crying. <laughs> and I literally was like, I'm not doing this. So um, it's, yeah, I don't know. I think when I was younger, I sort of like instilled in myself, like fake it till you make it. <laughs> and I think I just never somehow let that go. And now I'm just here. Like, yeah. You mentioned your live show and like crying before before that. Um, that's that rings to me like performance anxiety because I and, <laughs> yeah. and for me I relate to it because I've definitely been there. How how was that experience like? Talk talk me through the experience like step by step um, uh, that you go through before you get on stage. <sighs> the thing is, right? It's I don't know like people who obviously follow my career or my music will have, will know that this is a very new venture for me. I only started doing live performances probably the end of last year like, like I think my first live performance was in like September <laughs> so this is very recent so I've only literally started performing live from September and what we're in January now <laughs> so it's still like I'm still figuring out that process as I go I still haven't figured out how to like how do I calm myself how do I do this so I think the first time I had a live performance it was at Weising Arts Festival and I was so anxious from like the entire train journey. I was just like so anxious. The cab to the festival, I was so anxious. Literally the whole performance, I was so anxious. And then I got off and I was still like very anxious. Um, and I was shaking the whole time. Like I was shaking throughout my entire set. It was actually crazy. And like when I came off, obviously people were really nice and the crowd were lovely and everyone was so receptive. But I was just like, that was the first time I'd ever done anything like that in my entire life. Mm ever like I've never like DJing is one thing but I've never ever performed in front of anyone so it was like it was a lot like I had to before my performance I went for a walk and tried to like calm myself down and breathe and like I think my one of my tutors kind of mentioned um what is it called when you like stand in front of the mirror like, power posing or something yeah power <laughs> yeah. posing yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you did that I was doing that <laughs> in the toilet yeah literally that like I could do this um it didn't really work. Maybe you have to be more, maybe you have to do it more consistently, but it didn't really work. Um, so that's what I did for the first one. And then after it was over, I was just like, yeah, that was terrifying. And I think it's getting easier, but it's still terrifying. So, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So I don't feel like I've answered that question. No, you de- <laughs> you did, and you touched on obviously DJing, um, shutting down sets for for years, um, and just killing it in the radio game, and you know, moving, being in that space, and now you've transitioned as an artist in your own right, and 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 a producer, and it makes sense that that the anxiety will be there because as you said, it's like a new venture for you. Yeah. How did you feel performing as a DJ in comparison to performing as an artist? Actually, it was quite interesting. The same night that I did my first live show, I actually got booked for a DJ set and that, and I'd taken a step back from DJing. So that was the first time I DJ in like over a year. So I literally got the train straight back to London to do a DJ set. And like, that was, it was incredible. Like it was amazing. Um, but by the end of the night, I was like, I've exerted so much of myself and so much energy into the world. Cause like I did this live show that I came and did, did a DJ set and it's so different. I feel like with DJing, well, obviously once you know how to mix and you know, you feel comfortable in, I guess your sound or whatever, like it's fun. You have so much fun. It's just like, it's just, you're just having a good time. And it's like with DJing, actually it's always been like that for me. It's just literally been, I'm having a good time. So everyone else is going to have a good time. So it just feels like this sort of joint experience of just like everyone having fun. But with live performances, it's more, you're more vulnerable because you're putting so much more of yourself out there. And so I I think there was only one live show. And I think that was when I supported Lorraine James's headline show. I actually walked off and was like, oh, I actually feel good about that. But like <laughs> a lot of the sets that I've, live shows I've done, like I'd walk off and just feel like sort of deflated and been, and been like, this could have been better, I could have done this, this wasn't good or this, this, that. And like, it's kind of hard. It's like literally, it's been, like I'll just walk away and sort of beat myself up and be like, okay, right, this is what I need to do to improve. This is what I need to do to improve. But at the same time, you know, like I've only been doing live performances since September. Whereas like a lot of artists who like, you know, singers or like, you know, rappers or any sort of performances, like they'll usually tell you like, oh, you know, I've been, I started when I was like a kid in like school and I did this. People will tell you, you know, they've always been comfortable on the stage or like this is like sort of their like calling. And so whereas for me, this is a completely new world and I'm still figuring it out. But, you know, I feel hopeful. Like I'm not, like I'm still pushing myself. Like, you know, I could have canceled all my live shows after the first one, but you know, I kept pushing and pushing and pushing because I know that it's, it's gonna pay off eventually and it's gonna keep growing and changing. So I'm, yeah, I have the patience for that journey. And you mentioned that it's getting easier. Yeah, slowly. Yeah, <laughs> slowly, slowly. Very slowly. How do you feel about live shows coming up then? Are you, do you feel more prepared and um, are you more, I guess, centered and where, um, you, where you wanna go with it? I think, well, I think, I actually did like a residency just before like my, um, before my headline show at South Bank. So I had like a month at Lalo to just like use a studio and use the performance space to sort of get comfortable. So I think that time was quite formative because I was just like performing in front of my friends and like just kind of getting more comfortable with it. So that was good. Um, and I think, well now I'm, after South Bank, cause it was such a huge thing. <laughs> um, I decided to maybe just like, take a pause for the live shows until I think April time, just so I can sort of reconfigure what my live set is. Cause I think with live sets, it's sort of this like trial and error thing where like each live set you do, you kind of figure out, okay, maybe that's what I need or maybe this needs to work like this. So I think I'm just, yeah, taking this time now to figure out what that is. But you know, I've tried quite different sort of um, 
performances like I've done my live performance with my pedals and my 404 you know and then for South Bank I did a live performance with like a cellist and a harpist and violinist so like I've I feel like I'm slowly figuring out what it is that I want to bring to the stage and how to do that so yeah I feel more comfortable and like confident slowly amazing <laughs> do you does it help to have uh fellow people on stage with you to like support you um yeah I think that was nice for South Bank because I just didn't feel so um yeah I didn't feel so alone but also I think it really like we spent some time together and we basically reconfigured a lot of my tracks to like exist with like these instruments so it really elevated like a lot of my production it just made everything sound like a lot bigger which was like really nice and like I think it worked really well with like my vocals and like using effects pedals so like it definitely felt like okay like a good representation of what I want to do um and yeah I got to connect with like some amazing instrumentalists so that was a really nice experience amazing and one thing that I think struck me from last year as well was a post that you put out on Instagram about getting off social media and not feeling like you have to subscribe to always posting about what you're doing. Where did that come about or how did it come um, about? So I just like, I think it was after, I can't remember what it was after. I think I was going through a lot of um, hardship and like just difficult times. So I sort of just like removed myself completely from social media and I would deactivate for like months at a time and then it was like one month and six months whatever then it went on for so long and then the thought of going back on social media gave me so much anxiety like it was really weird like I was like okay well I have to reactivate my Instagram now because if I don't my account will be deleted and then the thought of having to reactivate after taking so much time away like just filled me up with anxiety it was like really bizarre because I'm not generally an anxious person I am when it comes to like performing but like my day-to-day -day, I'm not someone who's like quite anxious so to notice that shift and like um because without social media i was calm i was just like i can imagine living my life day to day it's actually bizarre like how much like when that isn't in your life you're just living there's no expectation there's no i have to post this or i have to show people that i'm doing this it's literally you are just living day to day and like there's yeah. no worries it's like so i think having that calmness for so long and then going back on social media and then feeling so anxious it was very easy to pinpoint where a lot of my anxieties and worries were coming from so then after that I was like okay well this is clearly like an issue so I have to make the decision to not use social media anymore so I made that post being like you know I'm not gonna I'm gonna like completely disengage and eventually like completely just delete my social media and I mean I don't use it I saw like right now I'm not on social media again, but I use I was using it towards the end of the year to post about like my headline show and like my installation and things like that. Um, it's just kind of annoying because I I will happily delete Instagram and walk away from it and feel like yep yeah, great. But I think when it comes to how do you share like a lot of the work that you're doing, I think a lot of us are still trying to figure out like how can we connect with our audiences and like share things without being on social media. Um, and you know some artists do it like I know Klein does it and like she's not on social media at all but still like has like a really strong um, engagement and I'm thinking stuff like Bandcamp or like radio is a good way to connect with people but yes yeah, so I'm just figuring out that's like sort of one thing that I'm working on is how to stay connected to everyone and not use it anymore.
when people like come up to me like you're not on social media anymore they're like wow you're so brave you're so strong like I'm fighting cancer or something yeah. <laughs> like, it's like what? really unheard of which is yeah, crazy yeah but it's just like it's so bizarre that people even have that reaction to you not being on social media it's like is that where we're at now in society like it's that ingrained in our lives um, so yeah it's just funny so you mentioned you were anxious about going back on social media what is your feeling towards it now like do you feel that pressure to be on it or are you said you're looking for different ways avenues um West, what's your stance? I hadn't been on social media for a long time, um, especially leading up to my South Bank show. So I was like really, really worried because I was like, oh my God, I've just been like, this is my official headline show. I've never done a headline show before and no one's going to come. I was like, no one's going to come. I haven't been on social media. Like my followers haven't seen that I'm doing this. It's going to be like empty. I'm going to be sad. And I was just like, <laughs> so after all of that, like, so by the end um on the day it sold out so i was like oh and that relief was like oh you know what i haven't even been on social media i made one post about my headline show and it sold out so that for me was like okay well that showed me that i don't actually need to be on there because if i was able to do that then people were still listening people still engaging with me so that was like affirming um and yeah so now i just i don't really feel any type of way about it like I'll use it to like, I mean, I'm not using it right now, but I'm like, okay, maybe I'll use it to post about important shows or things like that or like upcoming music. But even then I'm like, I don't know, I'm working on like really getting my website to try and be something that people can connect or like have like a chat room in there that people can talk to each other or like forums or share like radio. I'm trying to build some sort of like my own universe online that has, that I can have autonomy over. And I feel like once that's up and running, I know that I can completely just cut off social media. And you don't have to deal with like the stress of it and feel like you have to be constant. You're con I think it's like a performance as well, really. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it literally is. It's, it's a performance in its own right. Um, so it makes sense for for you not to want to exert energy there because you're already doing that in different yeah, spaces. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me because everyone, every artist I've spoken to about this feels the exact same about social media. Artists or anyone, not even artists, anyone on social media feels the exact same. So I'm really confused. I'm like, okay, so everyone feels like this, but no one's going to do anything about it. And actually, if there was more collectiveness and we all sort of like, you know what? Let's all sack off social media. We don't need it. Let's like, I don't know, so let's do this or that. Or like if everyone collectively sort of made the move away from it, then maybe we can have an industry and, and exist in music without having to worry about those things. But I don't know. I'm thinking maybe one day people will catch on. I'm not really sure. <laughs> like, After the rise of TikTok. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> that, <laughs> that is true. That is true. Like first. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I forgot about that. <laughs> Do you feel like you found more of a sense of self? I found more of a sense of self when I decided to take a step back from DJing and focus on my music because now I feel like I'm more me than I ever have been because, you know, I when I was growing up, my background was very much was more musical than um sort of like djing it was more like playing instruments and like writing and things like that so and i think djing i just sort of got wrapped up in it because you know, i started doing radio and then like you know it went really well for me like i'm so grateful like i managed to cultivate like a good career from it so but it was like a very quick 
um, rise. It was just like, so all of a sudden, you know, I was like, oh wow, I'm, you know, touring and doing these shows and things like that, which was amazing. But then like, it was actually really weird. It was towards the end of 2019 after like coming back from, I can't remember. I was like maybe like India or, or something. Actually, no, that was 2020. I came back from somewhere and I was like sitting on the plane home and I was just like, I don't feel fulfilled. It was really weird. It was like, I was like, I'm, bear in mind, like I have come from a very poor background as well. So I'd literally never been on a plane until I was 19. So no I was, yeah. So then to go from that to like, then flying every weekend, I was just like, surely like, you know, this is the dream. I'm living, I'm living the dream <laughs> yeah. right now. Yeah, but then I was just like sitting on the plane, like I don't feel fulfilled. Like you looking around, is, is, this is the dream, right? Yeah, like, I'm, in, I'm in the that, dream. Literally that. And I think it's because I, I wasn't exercising my creativity in the way that I wanted to. So um, once I made the decision to like take a step back from DJing, which was such a big gamble because I was making money, that was my income. So I like, took such a big pay cut and struggled a lot financially to be able to like focus on my music now. So to see it pay off has been like, it's been so rewarding and affirming. And now I feel like more of myself than I think I ever have in my life. It must've been difficult to decide to do that you you talked about that because I'm just thinking about stepping the idea of like stepping into your light and your purpose and that kind of idea it can be really frightening and it takes a lot of yeah, courage it does because, <laughs> especially when you you have I guess you're comfortable in a certain space exactly and if you and sometimes you can and if you're doing well in something and people are like reaffirming that and then like, oh you're you're you know you're in your case you're such a sick DJ you're you're, you're touring like you're like this is definitely what I need to be doing yeah so how did you actually get to a point where you decided to fully like move into being an artist? Because you you know, you said that you it was hard, but who did you talk to? Did you talk to someone? Did you was it something that you read? Was it like a, a jet was like a like a couple of weeks, months? Like how did that come about? I think it was like it was in the it was like twenty twenty, in the midst yeah. of pandemic. And I think it was like after I did I did a thread, I think, on like um why uh talking about like uk base and techno yeah yeah talking about um that sort of hierarchical segregation and how it contributes to systemic racism and like you know the thread did really well and it got like a really good response and like but that was something that i'd had been feeling for so long like it's really weird like i was only able to articulate it then but i'd been feeling like that since like starting djing and starting to tour outside of the uk and go into europe and it just wasn't a nice feeling so I was just kind of like, and it, that feeling just sat with me. And I think it just grew and grew and grew and grew. And then during the pandemic, seeing all these sort of like institutions come under fire for like, you know, lack of representation for black people. And then like having all the black people do all this labor, explaining to people why this is racist. Why It was just so draining. I know I spoke to a lot of like black friends and we all felt the same, which was draining, draining, draining. And then being reminded like on a daily how we're just not considered equal like as DJs and like looking at the sort of pay disparities and this, it was like, it was like, so it was that coupled with like the fact that I'd been feeling like I wasn't even exercising my creativity in the way I wanted. So I was like, okay. It was like, I think it was after that, around that time of that thread, I was like, you know what? Like, I don't want to do this anymore. I was just like, <laughs> I don't even want to do this. I was like, this is not my bag, it's not my portion. I was just like, I, I just felt like, I had my fun, had a great time yeah. and it was in the pandemic. So obviously DJing stopped and it meant that I was able to just like sort of sit and reflect. And I think 
when you're DJing all the time, every weekend, whatever, and like you're just so tired through the week, you have no time to even just sit and think like, what is it that I want to do? What is it that I want to achieve? So I think I had a lot of time to think. And when I thought, I was just kind of like, yeah, this isn't what I want to do anymore. Um, so then, yeah, I just made that decision on my own, to be honest, and was just like, I need something to change. So um, it was scary, but it was okay. Cause I was like, you know what? If there was ever a time to make that decision, it was during the pandemic because DJing wasn't happening. So I had time to sort of figure out like, what is it that I'm going to go into next? And I just focused all my efforts on production and it just, it worked out really, really well. Like I, you know, did all my releases on Bandcamp Friday and like I made the income I made from that. I was just like, what? Like, this is absolutely insane. Like people actually buying my music. And it was just like so bizarre. But then I think that response from people and my projects and like that was enough to fuel me to be like, yeah, this was the right decision. And you, you, I guess that ref- um, affirmation that, you needed was that support and that yeah, community that you exactly were surrounded by yeah exactly just seeing people engage in my work on that extent and like you know collaborating with like Kalella and you know her reaching out to me after I think one of my projects and saying like you know she wants to work together and things like that I was like yeah all those things those started to come in and I was like okay yeah this is what I should do don't get me wrong it's so hard it's like way harder than DJing but like <laughs> but disclaimer yeah but yeah it just felt I felt like okay yeah this is a good path this feels right I think that's what it was yeah for anyone listening who might be in a similar position what advice would you have for that for them from what you've learned I think I was actually speaking to my friend about this yesterday. I think when you are most like authentically you is when like you will see, I think, success and things go well. Because I think it's very easy to sort of do what you think you're supposed to do or like I'm going to do this. Or you see someone else in a field that you want to be in, you know, thriving. And you might think, okay, well, they have the blueprint down. I'm going to do how they did it to get to that point. And I don't think it's that at all. I've realized that when you are yourself, and like people just connect with that more on a level. And I think me being, I think I've been the most vulnerable I've ever been on social media in the last year. Like I never even used to, people don't know my business. Like I'm quite a private person. So it was like when I started to be more vocal about you know, how I was feeling about things, um, being more vulnerable in my music and like writing, that's when people really sort of connected with what, what, with what I was doing. And then that showed me that actually being myself and bringing myself into my, my my work is what is gonna do well for me. And I think that's what people should do is just be themselves. I know it's like kind of like <laughs> be yourself, but like, honestly, like, yeah, I feel like I could just be me. Um, and um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I just feel a lot more like clearer about what I wanna do. I, have, I feel like my path has become much clearer too. And I'm like really excited about like what I'm doing and the things I'm working on. Like, I just feel good, yeah. That's the perfect space to be. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it took me a while to get there, but yeah. I just want to say thank you so much for for joining us. Oh, thank um, you for having today. me. It's been lovely. No, it's been great talking to you. Um, to close off, I just wanted to ask you what you would say to your sixteen-year-old self. Wow, mm. I was thinking about this um, literally yesterday. No way, you having yeah, a deep, meaningful yeah, discussion? I was. It? I saw like a few close friends yesterday. I was having deep chats, but um, I was saying this yesterday, like, because someone had asked me like what I what are the goals I see my see for myself now and I'm like it's actually quite crazy because everything that I had 
envisioned and wanted for my life when I was 16 is all happening now. Mm. So now I'm having to do like a whole reconfiguration, like, okay, what's next? Um, I guess I would tell myself, what would I tell my, you know what? I know a lot of people do this, like, what would you tell your 16-year-old self? And then maybe people be like, you know, it gets better. It's going to be good. <laughs> you going to get the <laughs> girl. Yeah. You got this. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Like, I, around that time, I've actually struggled a lot of hardship. Um, especially when I was 16, I went through a lot of difficult things. Um, and it was really hard. And I didn't think I was going to get through it. But there was always something in me that knew that I was destined for something bigger than this. And I didn't know what it was and I didn't know how I was gonna get there and I didn't know how, what it was gonna look like, but I knew. So I think I would just tell my 16 year old self to like that feeling that you have, like trust that, like that is, that is gonna get you to where you wanna be. Um, yeah. Trust in the feeling. Yeah, yeah. 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 Thank you so much and um, I appreciate you. No, thank you, I appreciate you. <laughs> It was great to speak with Fuzil. I wanted to get a better understanding of what goes on in the body when an artist experiences performance anxiety. So I also spoke to Darlington K. Sivanir, a therapist and the head of clinical governance at Black Minds Matter. Um, so my name is Darlington uh, Sivanir. I am um, a psychotherapeutic counsellor. I am a clinical supervisor and a consultant. Um, for mainly health and social care and anything to do with mental health. Um, Background-wise, I think I've been in the mental health field for plus 20 years, um, you know, doing various things, working in rehabilitation centres um, to work in one-to-one with people. I also work really kind of like very closely with uh, Black Minds Better as their head of clinical governance, one of their senior um uh, therapist and um, just, you know, supporting them to, you know, pave the way, you know, for um, the, 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 the movement, you know, which is not a moment that they've started. So, yeah, that's just maybe in a nutshell, that's just about it. <laughs> Amazing. And what was your journey into psychotherapy like? How did you get started? Um, it was an interesting one. I never thought that I would do this um, in in a million years. But you know, as as life goes on, it kind of like shows you where you need to go. Believe it or not, I think I wanted to become um, um, a doctor, and then it changed. Then orthodontist, then it changed. Then business, then it changed. Um, I was working in a rehabilitation unit, and um, one of the um, clients or service users, if you want to put it across, that I was working with, um, he had drug-induced psychosis and he was three years younger than me. And he always said, oh, I admire what you're doing, everything else, you know, you've got this, you've got that, and you seem like you have everything together. So I started keyworking him. And um, from that moment when we started working really closely with him, he then stopped using the drugs and everything else. And his consultant, you know, in one of the meetings was like, you know, your psychosis seems to be reversing, which is kind of like a very rare thing and or controversial thing. Um, and within a few months, he was actually discharged and he went back home, whereas other people would have stayed there for five years. He was only there for like about a year. So I said to myself, if I can manage to support somebody else to do that without any qualifications, what about if I actually go and learn how to do it? And 
yeah, I've never looked back from then. It's just been ongoing, um, supporting people and organizations and just making mental health, uh, you know, you know, people aware that actually there is help out there. And like where to find it as well, because that's so important. What, what are some of the um, most common, I guess, conditions that you come across in your work or your clinical studies and your work with like, businesses? Um, it's a lot. We can we can start from you know day to day. You know depression, um, and stress, anxiety. We can go all the way to schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's adjustment disorders. Really, there's there's nothing that most probably that's new that's come on that I've not um, you know been able to come across or or work with. So it's just a variety really of the different mental health conditions that are out there. And you mentioned anxiety because that's something that I feel like is very prominent in music and the music industry. Mm. Um, and specifically, we have seen a lot of cases of like performance anxiety. Um, for people who may not know what that is, like, could you give us an explanation of what performance anxiety is? So performance anxiety, um, the common word for it is stage fright. I think everyone has, has heard about stage fright, you know, when when somebody's about to perform and then there is a set of emotional and physical reactions that happens, you know, with them. So it can be anything from, you know, having palpitations, you know, trouble breathing, blurred vision, feeling nauseous, um, clammy hands, you know, becoming stiff. Um, it's, it's, it's a result of a situational, you know, a perceived threat, you know, so... Um, what starts happening is if a scenario arises, you know, you, you're about to perform. And then the thought process goes, oh, there's a threat that's there. If I don't get it right, these people are going to laugh at me. Um, these people are going to reject me. I'm going to lose my contract. I am never going to be good enough. It affects a whole lot of things. Um, then that's what more or less, you know, you know, is what is considered to be, you know, performance anxiety. Now, it, there are consequences to it, depending on how you manage it. Are you able to manage it or are you not able to manage it? You know, if that makes any sense. No, that does make sense. And I feel like when you were talking, I related to a lot of things that you're saying, <laughs> the clammy hands. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, I definitely relate to that. I guess what I want to also ask is, why why then do people have performance anxiety? You talked about like perceived threat. Um, how how does that work in terms of like actual like the, like the the functioning of it? So depending on the different experiences that we've had, you know, in the past, yeah. you know, that that can be triggers. So it's it's more of a situation whereby um, how we we are going to be dealing all the experience that we have. It, it can go into a vicious cycle, kind of like a loop. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you an example. Uh, let's say somebody wants to perform. Um, and then um, they start feeling that, okay, if this is going to happen, I am not going to actually perform really good. Mm-hmm. It comes with wanting to be better at what you're doing and everything else to make sure that you doesn't fail. So when that happens uh, and you feel that actually I'm not going to be able to do it, all those symptoms are going to happen. And when those symptoms happen, then that means that um, you're not actually going to perform well. And when you don't perform well, so, uh, so let's say, for example, you get like clammy hands. You're trying to hold a mic, the mic slips down because, you know, it's they're, they're sweaty and everything else. You are now going to attribute that to most probably, I am not good at doing this. Therefore, um, with some people, they walk out of the building. That's the end of the results, you know, for that, the consequence. And then next time, when they want to perform again, again, that thread is there. You know, so it's this vicious cycle mm. that is created, you know, by the thought process, 
that I start with, and then the body reacts to it, um, and then it just keeps on going over and over. But the key is to cut that cycle, you know, intervention. in order in, intervention in order to manage that. I was just thinking when you were talking um, that if you, I guess, don't manage or learn how to manage that performance anxiety, does it then just get worse, and does it become harder then to to perform? Oh yeah, it can definitely get worse. I think um, you you'll find that it can get worse to the extent that some people then start using substances in order for, for them to try and get the calmness or try and, we call it self-medicating. They start to self-medicate in order for them to overcome that, that anxiety, that performance anxiety, that numbing feeling, you know, that they will get. But again, there are consequences within that. Um, whether the quality of the work that's now being produced is not going to be as good as when somebody's in what most artists, and I'm sure you're aware of this, in the zone. Yes, definitely. I feel like DJs can relate, or as a DJ, I can relate to that in terms of alcohol, mm. um, feeling really nervous to like go on stage and just, you know, I remember when I first started DJing, I would I would have like maybe like two drinks. I'm like, okay, cool, let me just have two drinks and yeah. let me loosen up. And the two drinks turned into like four drinks. Yeah. And then as it kept going, I was like, oh, I need to be really drunk in order to do well. And then I found that actually, I, I I thought that I was DJing better when I was drunk, mm. but that that wasn't the case. And also it was so unhealthy um, and it was just, it made me feel like I could only do my job if I was abusing substances. Yeah. Um, and it was so nerve wracking to even feel, to think about going in sober. It was like, that gave me a lot of anxiety. Absolutely. I think the, the process of it, I think when we are talking about substances, it doesn't matter whether it's drink or, or you know, any other illicit substances. There is always like a, a marker. The first time that you get high, you're never going to get higher than that. You start to chase that. Your body then gets into this whole notion whereby we need more and more and more and more and more in order to get to that point where we feel numb and uh, in, in courts in the zone. However, interesting, if you get somebody to record, you know, the performance mm. and then you view it, then it's like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, wow, I was really drunk. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's it's just having to find healthier ways, you know, of managing and, and, and coping with it because they, they, there's help out there. You know, there's so many different things that you can do um, in the short and the long term. So how what are some of the ways that people can manage their uh, mental or their not meant their how how are some of the ways that people can manage their performance anxiety short term like things that they can do right now so breathing exercises you know before you know uh, you you perform um most probably rehearsals that's another thing that's very good become familiar with your environment um the the more you do the rehearsals especially let's say for example if you've got maybe a big um you know gig coming up uh, visit you know the the venue where you're going to be you know walk on the stage mm -hmm. you know uh, become acquainted you know with, with the place again eliminate the thought process that this is a competition because that is one of the biggest things that really put, increases performance anxiety. When you feel that you're competing against the whole world, imagine that, how big that is, you know, but when you eliminate it and you take it away, most of the successful artists, you know, that are out there, they are rather in the zone than thinking about what they're doing when they're performing well. Mm -hmm. So enjoy, in other words, what you're doing, mm -hmm. you know, be in the zone rather than think, oh, am I hitting the right note? Am I doing this and that? Because when you start doing that, that creates stress. Mm -hmm. So stress then goes into 
performance anxiety. Then it triggers that. So be in the zone, be comfortable, enjoy yourself, you know, what you're doing, breathing exercises before you actually start, you know, the performance is one of the things that can actually in the short term, you know, um, help you. And again, eat well, diet, you know, just eat well, sleep well. That's the other thing. Make sure that you have rested enough before you actually get to perform. Because again, as human beings, when we are tired, we tend to cut corners. There's an acronym that we use uh, called HOLD. Am I hungry? Am I angry? Am I lonely? Am I tired? You know, those things, you know, sometimes they make us behave in, you know, other ways that can easily kind of like falter or change what we would normally do when we are actually fully satisfied or not angles. So it's worth asking yourself, you know, those questions. That's so helpful. I'm going to, can you repeat the acronym? HOLD. Hold. Hungry. Uh, angry, lonely, or tired. Okay, perfect. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna definitely be applying that. And what are some of the things that people can do in the long term? In the long term, um, if it keeps on, you know, you, you're feeling that you know it's getting out of hand. You're trying all these and it's not working. Um, seek therapy. You know, therapy will actually be a good thing because what it does is, um, some people can use CBT you know, to challenge the thought process. Where is this actually coming from? Um, when did I actually feel in this way? You know, exploring those things because once you do that, it can actually in turn put up your confidence. Um, you can also go to your GP. Sometimes they'll give you um, medication, you know, that will help because again, it's about adrenaline, you know, that's that's being pumped. Where our, this is what I was saying, you know, mind what you eat because if you're going to have, let's say, um, coffee caffeinated mm. before your performance and then you get performance anxiety imagine what's going to happen it's going to be magnified mm. so it's having to um I suppose work in in that way go to your gp they'll give you their blockers that they'll give you to try and manage you know the anxiety so in the long term those are some of the things that you can do however I think one of the things that I would really want like to share, um, maybe that might help somebody. It's it seems trivial, it seems controversial, but if you really take a step back and think about it, the same feelings that you go through uh, when you're feeling uh, performance anxiety and what your body goes through is similar when you're feeling excited. Mm. I don't know if you if you if you take a step back and you look at when you're feeling excited, you know. What are the things, you know, that goes through your body and your mind? Um, and what are the things that goes through your body and your mind when you're feeling, um, you know, we'll start having performance anxiety? Yeah, that's, that's, it's really interesting because when I, when a big gig comes along, I feel excited, but at the same time terrified. Yeah. So again, it's how, what you're going to, in, how you're going to interpret, you know, those feelings. If you're going to say, oh, this is performance anxiety, it will go down that way. It's going to be very much anxiety driven. However, if you switch into, I'm actually excited about this. This is why I'm feeling this way. Then therefore, you're going to be able to manage those, you know, emotions. They're no longer um, fear threatening, you know, or apprehension, you know, uh, reaction or emotions. They're actually of excitement. What am I looking forward? What am I going to get out of this performance? Therefore, it'll help you to get into the zone. Um, another maybe example that's a little bit different, but kind of like similar when trauma happens. So as therapists, sometimes we use um, the, an example, for example, if, if, if you have watched nature programs, um, let's say, um, what armor can we use? Um, maybe a little deer, 
is being chased <laughs> by a lion in somewhere in the Serengeti. Um, when it escapes the lion, it stops and it shakes that trauma. That trauma is anxiety-driven. It shakes it off for a good minute or so. And then once that's done, it goes off its merry way like nothing has ever happened. So it's that reconditioning that is doing to that because imagine if it keeps on in that way, it will never survive because it's always going to be anxious, you know, around in that environment. Mm -hmm. But it's the choices that we make when we are faced with fear, when we're faced with stressful situations, mm -hmm. how are we going to react to that is what is going to actually in turn change the way that you know all these other issues that come up so whether we are managing the performance anxiety and changing it into something different it's just a matter of the mind going against the grain um the biggest thing again is you know just be you you know don't 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 think that you have to be the best in the whole world be the best in the moment you know be do you know what this performance that i'm going to do I'm going to be the best at this today. I'll see you tomorrow, tomorrow. But today, I'm giving it my all. That kind of like gives you some calm because you're not looking at anybody else, what they're doing. Because if you try and do that, imagine there is like about how many artists in the UK. Yeah. And you're trying to compete with all of them every time when you perform. That is huge. That is just uh, humongous. It's kind of like you're carrying um, the world's problems on your shoulders. But... If you say, I'm going to give to the world my talent, what I have today, I would do it and I would do it well. Um, I will give you an example. Obviously, what we do as therapists is not performing, mm -hmm. but I love that part of anxiety that I feel when I'm meeting a client for the first time. It always humbles me. It reminds me that I'm not going to re replicate therapy that I've had with somebody else. I'm here to listen to whoever's going to be sitting in front of me for the first time and treat them like it's the clean slate mm -hmm. that way it always reminds me why i'm doing what i'm doing so for me i take that anxiety as a positive thing so that i don't have a big head and say, oh i've had it all before mm -hmm. you know all this and that no no so it's how again our mind is a powerful tool how we perceive things you know also have a physical manifestation you know this is why i suppose with what the NHS is trying to do now, they're trying to do catch up. You know, everybody was focused on the uh, physical health and not thinking about the mental health, mm -hmm. but a healthy mind, a healthy body. Um, when we're talking about stress and anxiety, or especially stress, um, sometimes people can actually have physical manifestations of things like a ringing ear, tonsillitis, like they actually have tonsillitis. But if they take a step back and think, is there anything that's stressing me? What's stressing me? And we often hear, oh, do you know what? That it just went up. Uh, the, the, the symptoms just went away just like that. So it's a way of our body also trying to tell us, or our mind rather, trying to tell us that, hey, I'm not okay here. Can you please address this? Because the only way that you're going to listen to me is if I kind of like put you in a situation where you have to slow down and not keep on rushing around. So again, matter of perception, take care of the mind, take care of the body, then it's the best way to fight, you know, anxiety or performance anxiety. That is that is very, I think when I was hearing you speak, it just, it made sense and it was methodical and I feel like I could follow follow those steps. Um, so thank you for sharing that with us. No, that's okay. More I, than welcome. Yeah, I also was wanting to ask if someone was listening to this right now and they're feeling really overwhelmed in the moment, um, and they might not know where to go, where, where to do, where to look. What is something that they can do to just refocus and like take things 
step by step step by step i think there is there is a lot of content that's been put up especially maybe on youtube these days there's a lot of apps that are that are there uh, regarding anxiety um it could be the first stop um just read up do that research you know uh, find out what's out there that can actually help you if if that doesn't help the self help it's always good to go to professionals you know go to your doctor um you know seek therapy if you can pay for therapy that's absolutely fine black minds matter they're doing wonderful things you know for the black community you know get in touch with them you know and see you know what type of support that they can actually give you out there perfect thank you so much that's, that's everything right. um and thank you so much so for sharing your knowledge and your um wisdom with us today no that's okay you're more than welcome thank you for having me So we've heard from Darlington who gave us a better understanding of what performance anxiety is. And we've heard from Fazia and spoke about getting comfortable with performing. There was one more person I wanted to speak with. Um, well, yeah. Hi, my name is Dam Shack. Um, I kind of started from, you know, when I worked at BBC One Extra. It kind of just carried on through Represent, you know, it's Rinse FM and stuff like that. And really and truly from those beginnings, especially the, the rep beginnings, the, the, the hardcore, doing your radio show, needing that done every week, week in, week out, is kind of where it really started for me in interviewing guests, etc. But then the DJ, when that came in, it kind of took my heart and my soul. Shaq is known for high-energy performances. I really care about my set. Like, I, I turned a bit crazy about it, like... I've been known to go a bit mad, but my top my top ends up off definitely 1000%. I'll probably end up in the crowd. I'm probably screaming at the top of my lungs at the same time while I was trying to stand on the decks, while I was trying to mix. It's kind of evolved into that. I never expected it to be that. It's just kind of become that over time. It's like when people come, you kind of expect me to be doing something on top of the DJ. <laughs> The music is like the main thing for me. I guess the music is what moves me and it moves everyone else in it. So as long as I can make people leave with an experience where it's like, yeah, nah, I've really enjoyed myself today. Then I've done my job in it. Like that's the main thing for me. And it's like the, the whole club scene is like escapism to me. And it? it's escapism for me. And I know it's escapism for the people attending. So it's just about making sure everyone has a fun experience, I guess. He's also been quite open online about his struggle navigating the industry and mental health, especially since the pandemic. Oh, the pandemic threw me for a massive loop <laughs> because before it was very much like man's doing DJ sets and I'm building towards that. But then when when we lost the clubs, boy, I, I lost my way for a bit because I was like, well, what? what do I do now? Like, yeah, yeah. that's when I had to start really trying to explore my, I guess, creativeness because... I was doing some weird stuff during the pandemic, like dancing in the street, like roller skating. Like obviously that was more so just for my own, I guess that was for my own um, hobby, but then it turned into something that I started to, to like earn money from, you know what I'm saying? Like, But I would have explored those things without the pandemic, but at the same time, something had to give because I wasn't able to do my main passion the way that I love to do it at the end of the day. Yeah, I feel like a lot of us in the music industry were displaced and like, people would definitely relate to that because it's 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 changed like it's changed a lot it's changed a lot of people's like career paths and just ability to make a livelihood from mm -hmm. um and i know you've well if people seen like videos from like your performances you're you're so confident and you're like you're on stage and you're performing and stuff like how has the pandemic 
changed or has it changed or impacted like your um I guess the confidence that you have or just your confidence in performing because we've not been out here in the clubs too tough I think when it when it, when it came down to it especially when I took that like that massive there was just a massive gap between just not being in the clubs man like it was so crazy and I think when I came back I thought yeah it's gonna be light work man it's gonna come back and everything's just gonna be back to normal but a lot of things weren't back to normal, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it was a lot, like, it was a lot for me to experience such a high volume of people in one space, especially that first damn Shaq's house back in XOY, because it's such a small space, mm. it felt like man couldn't breathe, do you know what I'm saying? Like, because like, people coming up to me, oh, Shaq, grabbing me, it, it was mad, yeah. like, 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 usually... I'm a person where it's like, yeah, man, well, go on, like, give you a... But I can't lie, like, I felt very off. I felt very, like, displaced. I didn't feel like I felt like I was in the right place, even though it's my thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like, and it took a while for me to kind of come back to, like, feel, to, to feel centred again, in, in a sense, because... Yeah, I can't even really even explain the feeling that I felt, but I just know that it felt. Oh, there we go, overwhelming. It, it felt. I felt overwhelmed. Like at the end of the day, like I had to rely on a lot of people around me to try and get me through that experience. Like, and obviously there was other things that that impacted me up until that point. But I just knew that then it was just too many a high volume of people coming towards me at that stage. It was just like. Oh whoa like yeah. like whoa and and the whoa feeling didn't just go like I, like I thought oh yeah okay maybe it was just like because it's the first one back like do you know what I'm saying but there was a couple of gigs afterwards where it just felt like whoa and I needed my people around me for me to feel okay like yeah. and if they weren't there it didn't feel okay do you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. and I think may it could just be because of the pandemic or whatnot but it just knew that it just didn't go the way that my mind I thought it would be I thought everything would just click right back to normal the moment I'm back to DJing, do you know what I'm saying? But it wasn't that easy, do you know what I'm saying? Now, I'm in a lot better position. Now, I'm, I'm used to it now. I'm used to being back out there, etc. But especially that initial coming back, it was a lot. It was difficult. I remember, like, my first gig. I was so anxious. I was like, oh, my gosh, I've forgotten how to, like, DJ, like what's yeah. the, you know, I was like, yeah. is this, is this me? Am I a DJ? Like, I don't know. I've been sitting on my ass for like a so year or something. Like, exactly. Yeah, been in for a while now. Yeah. And, and the, the, I feel like, like the one thing that I used to always say at the time is like, fam, it, these Instagram lives don't feel like the real thing. Like oh. the amount of Instagram lives and all the Twitch lives and all the, just the, the lives. I, I, at one point, I was just sick and tired of trying to do lives. <laughs> that became normal though. Like, oh, let me try and do an Instagram live, that DJ set. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like that became my normality mm -hmm. for a while. So then to then swap an Instagram live where you've got just the camera there and you're just talking to the phone for like over like 700 people in a venue and they all can actually interact with you in real life. It's a very big difference. Like it's a massive start difference, especially when you haven't had that for so long. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, cause I was yearning for it, I wanted it back, but I guess I wasn't looking at the reality of it coming back. Like, how, what is that impact gonna be like? Especially because I've been away from it for so long. But yeah. Do you feel nervous to perform now? Depends on what gig it is. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? No, I relate to that. Yeah. Like, like, like. So, so. 
Like, if I'm doing something that's a small venue and it's more intimate, I ain't really afraid of that, really. Like, but then the 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 levels change when it was like for something like my boiler room. Mm. My first two songs used to be the most what that that's when my heart's beating the most. But when I used to get through them two songs, then something takes over me. I can't lie. Like once I get over that hill, that's when I turn into the mad guy. And then that's when damn shack starts damn shacking up the place. You get into your zone. Yeah. You, it's like you, it's the so, a soft spot. Yeah. Yeah. How, how have you managed to like um, manage your own like stress and anxiety or whatever towards putting those events on, especially in the pandemic? Like it's been so difficult for like all of us. And like we've, I think everyone's been trying to find ways to like cope and stuff. Like have you found anything that's worked for you? Um, I feel like what it's got to sound very weird, but like, there's a reason why you see Shaq running around with like the toys and stuff like that. Like I, like I buy like Power Ranger figures and Yu-Gi-Oh cards and stuff like that. And I usually say reminders. That's what I used to say to my friends a lot. Like that's what was kind of getting me through because I just look at them and I just remember, yeah, man, you're, you're, you're Shaquille. Do you know what I'm saying? I know that yeah. sounds so random. Everyone, like some people, they got like teddy bears and stuff like that. Like some people, they ain't got nothing. But for me, like, like, sometimes uh, you'll see like I'll ha have a set or I'll do something and I'll just put the Power Ranger down. It's like a comfort, a, a yeah. comforting, yeah. Even down to like um like the vinyls I used to carry. So I used to carry like a um that the um I had a like, MF Doom Zarface um mm. vinyl, mm. um and I used to carry it to the sets. And I used to need it, and everyone used to be like, "Why are you bringing so much stuff with you?" I'd be like, "Nah, but I need this yeah. stuff." It set it centers me in a way like if if you come to my room, my room is the same like the posters and everything. They're they're things that I just love in life, because you have to love life, dog. So I've tried my best to always be in that kind of zone and space, because I know that sometimes I'm a lot in general. I'm a lot to deal with. Like I'm a, I'm <laughs> I'm a madman sometimes. So like to bring me down sometimes. These are the things that I use, I guess, in, in a sense. I used to put a lot of pressure on myself, definitely. Like, I think, like, I put this amount, massive amount of pressure on myself that sometimes I fold under, do you know what I'm saying? Because I'm only one person, do you know what I'm saying? And it, it's like one of them ones where I've got to understand that I am still fresh, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I got a lot of experience, yeah, but I still got a whole career and life ahead of me at the end of the day. And I need to remember my age, you know? Like, sometimes I hold myself up to a lot of, to a, such a high standard, but at the end of the day, I am only 24. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, in the grand scheme of things, what do I know? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, really. You said that you are in a better place now, mm. um, which is so, it's so good to hear. Um, what would you tell yourself, like, like back in the place where you were um, maybe like struggling like what how, what would you tell yourself to like support yourself to get to the space where you are now especially for people maybe listening who can relate to that mm. like how can they how how would you um, advise someone to like you know I guess find more of a balanced um, take it easy place. for one should I why because I weren't taking it easy <laughs> that's a fact like I was burning myself at both ends I was taking a lot of things personally that I shouldn't really necessarily take personally from a lot of people. I had a lot of expectations as well. I had to lower those <laughs> because I had a lot of expectations for a lot of people that, to be honest, don't owe me nothing. 
Do you know what I'm saying? And I feel like that was a lot of the stress that I was getting. And I also was looking at my position in a negative light when I should just be happy that I've done a lot of the things that I've said I've wanted to do. So also having that appreciation for yourself and the things that you've already achieved at the end of the day. Like, as I said, when I used to say, when I said I was a lot, fam, trust me, I was a lot on the like on the way back in from the pandemic, fam. A lot of things in my life weren't going right, but then I was still trying to keep running forward. Do you know what I'm saying? But sometimes you got to take that time for yourself, you know what I'm saying? And take that time to realise that, yo, things ain't really going in the way that they're supposed to go on, you know, in your life, you know? Like, even down to little things, like, fam, I was becoming very angry in life. Like, that. You know what I'm saying? Like, and because I'm running so fast, I couldn't even see how angry I was getting. You know what I'm saying? I was breaking down, basically, in a sense. Like, so once I took that time to really understand that, then I could really see what's going on 2020. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, because if I didn't take that time, I wouldn't know, and I'd probably still be running and burning myself down to the ground. Do you know what I'm saying? I've done that more than once in life. But this was like the time where I said, hold on, you just need to grow up, bro. And you need to just really just look at yourself in the mirror. And you need to look at what example you want to be like. My brother's just like, my brother, um, he was obviously, my, my nephew's born, got born last year. When my nephew was born, he's my little profile picture on my phone. And like, I got niece, nephews there. I'm just like, you know what? I've tried to be a role model for these kids, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, 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 like. Yeah. Before I didn't care. Like, I, I was here smoking the tweed all the time <laughs> and <laughs> and getting drunk. Yeah. Now I couldn't care less about getting crunk out in the club in that sense. Like, I just care more about these kids, man, and just trying to actually set an example and also to get back to who Shaquille is inherently rather than damn Shaq, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Which has been... A beautiful journey, I think, because now I can speak a lot more from the heart than any like than any time in my life, and it doesn't feel like incorrect. It feels right. And I feel like a lot of people in music have said something similar because it's almost like you have two lives. You have like your personal life, and then you have like your music life. Um, whether it's like your DJ name and then you, mm. and sometimes you can get lost in like who you who you are because everyone's still trying to figure out that yeah. out anyway. But then you've got like two things, and it's almost like you have to maintain one of them in order to um, pursue like a career. Um, mm. How have you found that, and how have you, as you, you when you speak, it feels like you've actually found a sweet spot where you can actually just be yourself and you're not putting pressure on yourself to like be someone else. Like, how have you managed to do that? I think that the hard thing with my with my brand that I used to kind of have to deal with is that it was so energetic that everyone expects 100% energy all the time from me. Like if I walk in a room, shut yo, dance right now. Like even if I don't want to dance right now, give me the mad thing like cuz you're the you're the energy man. Like and that was a lot and I feel like Going through the, like my career, I've, I think I finally got to that point where it's like, I don't care what Shaq you think you're gonna get, yeah. you're just gonna get me yeah. in the 100% rawest form that I'm gonna be that day. Sometimes, like, I, like fam, we're all human at the end of the day, innit? Like, and yeah, we've created brands or whatever, like, but I just had to understand that trying to be the character or the caricature of Damn Shack is what was deading me off. 
because you have to be that guy all the time. Because I'm always on the gram doing the mad thing. Ooh, yeah. The vibe, man. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of expectation that everyone had of man. But I can't live up to your expectations of me. I can only live up to the expectations I've set for myself. I can't be who you want me to be. I can only just be me. Because when I'm trying to be all these other characters, it doesn't work. Because at some point... I end up looking and thinking, what am I doing? <laughs> That's how it always ends. Like, like, it always gets to that last full stop of what the <laughs> hell is going on today? Going yeah, on. like, I don't like that feeling. Yeah. I've had that feeling multiple times. I don't want to have that feeling ever again. It's like, no, it's done. You know, at one, t- at one stage, I just had to say it's over. And then now it's like, like, man is an energetic man. Like, I, I'm a person that loves to bust jokes. I'm a lot, I'm, I like to provide, like, happiness. Like, at one point, that's what I wanted my brand to just be. Just a person that just spreads good energy, good vibes. Like, I think now, I just kind of just stick to just being Shaquille. Do you know what I'm saying? I am Damn Shaq, and I can DJ. I can also host. I can present. But in the grand scheme of things... Damn Shaq can't exist without Shaquille. Mm. And I had to realise that. Damn Shaq is like man trying to run away from, from myself mm. when I'm really trying to damn Shaq up the place. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. But when I had to realise that we're one in the same, it's the same person, that I had to fuse the two worlds together in a sense that, because I'm the person. Do you know what I'm saying? Like It's not like the brand separates me from me. I can't be one person one day and another... I'm I'm just the same person. I'm just the guy. I still eat, sleep, love a good mac and cheese, and rice <laughs> love and peas. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, I just had to realise that, fam. You can't be running away from yourself, fam, because you're just going to get caught. Yeah, and I feel like when you said that you had to take time, I think a lot of people say, say the same thing, like that space to just reflect and like have a look at what's been going on is so valuable. And it's almost like when you're in music, you're not afforded that time because it's like you're going to be left out or you're not going to be considered and people are going to forget about you. But really and truly, that is like, it's so unhealthy um, and you, you lose yourself. Yeah. Mm. And just um, just finally, I just wanted to ask, like, if you could go back to your, like, I guess like your first day at like Represent or something like that, um, what would you tell Shaq? Um, I'll probably just tell myself just... There's, there's two things to be honest but like it's more so just like humble yourself you need that humility and also I'll probably tell myself um, don't take any of this personally because I again I'm a, I'm a person that takes things to heart you know like I've taken a lot of things to heart in my career where it's like man I had to learn that them battles certain battles weren't worth fighting still Again, they kind of was because I wouldn't know the stuff that I know now if I didn't do them. Yeah, you wouldn't be here. So moving forward, what's, what's the, the vision? Um, and like, how are you moving forward with everything that you've learned um, along the way? I'm just taking it day by day, man. Again, I, my, man used to put so much pressure on my head top that well, man used to just break at the seams. So nowadays, I'm... I'm just kind of happy to be here. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I don't want to be that guy that's like that, but it is what it is. That's literally what I say these days. Like, when my friends are like, oh, Shaq, what, what's your year? Like, I'm like, fam, I'm just taking it day by day. 
because yeah. it, it, it's the it it's the best way to not harm myself. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like since I've been saying that I'm living life like that, life has actually been a lot easier to live. Facts. Yeah. Facts. So yeah. Live being present and being the moment. Yeah, yeah man. We're stuck in the past or the, or, or, the future. Yeah, I'm like fam, uh, fam. I'm not. I ain't got the DeLorean. Like, I'm not trying to go to the future all the time. Like, I can't see what's gonna happen there. Yeah. But if man's here now and I just do the works that I can now. And I spread the joy that I can now and I build the relationships and nurture the relationships and the flowers that man has right now, they should flourish. It's been absolutely amazing to hear from Shaq and Fazia firsthand about the struggles with performance anxiety and it's made everything feel more real, relatable and honest. I'm glad that we were able to have those conversations. It was also a pleasure to speak with Darlington and get some practical advice around performance anxiety and the methods you can apply to help you manage it. I just want to thank all the contributors again for making this all possible and thank you for listening at home. There is a full archive of our collaboration with Black Minds Matter available for you to take in now and you can find them all on the RA site. Black Minds Matter are looking for 21,000 long-term donors who are able to donate just £5 per month and with your support they'll be able to take real steps towards achieving their goal of creating a lasting impact of black mental health. There are links in the description of this podcast if you are able to contribute.